What is going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into another edition of the Jim Bratton Podcast. And I've, before I get going, I've got to put this out here really quick before I get to what I'm going to be talking about tonight. Obviously, for the Spotify listening audience of the show, you will not actually be able to see this. But just in honor of Coach Prime and the Colorado Buffaloes and their continued winning ways after last night's victory in double overtime against Colorado State, and in honor of some of the comments that Colorado State's coach, Jay Norvell, made about Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, uh, in the week leading up to Saturday night's game. I am actually wearing a pair of my own sunglasses and the hat right now in honor of the fact that Coach Prime continues to wear a pair of his own sunglasses and the hat of his own. Obviously, I don't have a big cowboy hat like Coach Prime does, but I'm doing the best I can. Maybe I'll get one of those. You know what? Maybe I'll get one of those if Colorado keeps winning like they do. Obviously, they've got some toughies coming up over the next couple of weeks, but... If they do keep winning, maybe I will uh, look into investing into my own cowboy hat like Coach Prime has. Who knows? But I'll get more into Coach Prime here in just a minute. So that's number one on the rundown tonight. Number two, (sighs) the balls. The balls. The Vols, the Vols, the Vols, they continue to disappoint, and that's all that I'm going to say about it right now. Obviously, I will have much more to say about it and them as I keep going with the show. And number three is there's really just all sorts of craziness going on in the all across the country right now with as far as who's winning, who's not winning, who's playing well, who's not playing well, and just a lot of general craziness that nobody really saw coming in more ways than one. But there's definitely a lot to unpack in that regard. But let me start off with Colorado and the just crazy game that we all saw last night. And obviously you had to stay up late to watch it on the East Coast because 9 p.m. kickoff and was really a very entertaining thing to watch, especially coming off of the coming off of the heels of the train wreck that we all saw in Gainesville, Florida last night between the Vols 
and the Gators, absolute train wreck of a game, but I'll get, regrettably, I've got to get to it a little bit more in a few minutes, but staying with Colorado and the reason why I've got this this hat and this pair of sunglasses on right now, I guess I guess I can go ahead and get it out of the way right now because the lead up to this game was just absolutely bonkers because Jay Norvell, the head coach at Colorado State, just comes out and we all know about the antics of Deion Sanders. I mean, his his demeanor and the way he's conducted himself ever since his coaching careers began, quite frankly, and no, this is not a shot at the way he has conducted himself because obviously he's been doing a pretty good job of backing it up on the field because... The man just keeps winning. So this is not a shot against Dion personally or professionally. But Jay Norvell, the head coach at Colorado State, obviously touched some nerves in the greater Boulder, Colorado area this week when he said, basically... And he was obviously making fun of Dion when he said this. He said, you know, I'm paraphrasing here. When I talk to grown-ups, I take my hat and my sunglasses off. That's just the way I was raised. Blah, blah, blah. And obviously, as I mentioned before, that sort of touched some nerves with Dion and Travis Hunter, who was caught on a microphone on the field saying about Colorado State's team, they're all bark and no bite. They're messing with the wrong team. Blah, blah, blah. And this led to there being obviously a lot of physicality being present in the Colorado State and Colorado game last night. And a lot of cheap shots being thrown in various directions and what have you. And while Colorado did inevitably pull out the win in double overtime by score of, I believe, 43 to 55, 40, excuse me, 43 to 35, over the Rams of Colorado State. It's crazy because Colorado actually entered the game as 22.5-point favorites, if you can believe that. And I can, certainly based on the way Colorado had played up until this point. Obviously, Colorado State took advantage of some things that they had seen on game film and sort of cut the deficit cut the deficit to what it was 
but Colorado, man, I'm going to get to this a little bit more in detail in segment three, but it's just crazy to believe that Colorado, they've turned over 70% of their team from last year, and they've, they've already tripled their win total from last year. People don't like to talk about this, but Colorado won all of one game last in 2022. One game. Bottom five in the country on offense and defense in pretty much every single statistical category. And it's just really hard to believe the uh, how good of a job that Coach Prime and his staff, which is a elite staff. I mean, when you've got guys like Charles Kelly, a lot of experience coming in, and Mike Zimmer, for former NFL head coach Mike Zimmer, when you can bring him into the program to help mold this remade Colorado Buffaloes football team that, again, has already tripled its win total from last season. Obviously, that speaks volumes to what is going on in Boulder right now. But I will have plenty more to say about what's going on with the Buffaloes and what's going on really with the entire Pac-12 a little bit later in the show. But I'll do that more toward the very end of the show. But before I do that, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I can't believe I've got to talk about this now. The Vols! Ah! What happened? What happened? Actually, now that I've gotten over a lot of the frustration, I say, actually, let me rephrase that. I've gotten over some of the frustration from last night where I can talk about this game with a little bit more objectivity as opposed to subjectivity. When talking about the Tennessee Volunteers quote-unquote football team. Because I was a very, very angry Tennessee fan last night. But before I get into the nitty-gritty and the stats of what the Vols did and did not do last night. In particular, I want to get some very quick things out of the way here. Number one, very important tidbit to throw out. One of the big things that a lot of us heard last night was the fact that Tennessee has not won in the swamp, as they call it, the 
quote unquote beard beautiful city and I say that not not even knowing how beautiful the city of Gainesville is. I'm I'm sure it's a lovely place. I'm sure that it's a very lovely place. I I've never been there. And but based on a lot what a lot of Vol Twitter says and this is this is coming from Vol Twitter, so make of this what you will. I may or may not even want to visit the city of Gainesville. But coming back to my main point here, uh, it has been quite some time since Tennessee has won a game in Gainesville at Florida. 20 years. 20 years. I, I believe Casey, 2003, let's see, I, I, I was in the third grade the year, the last time Tennessee won in Gainesville was in 2003. And I'm going to have to keep waiting because it will be at least 22 years before Tennessee even gets the next uh, their next opportunity to win in Gainesville because obviously next year in 2024 the series moves back to Neyland in the great city of Knoxville, Tennessee where and I can say this firsthand it is and make make of this what you will. I am being very subjective when I say this. Knoxville, Tennessee is a very, very beautiful place. I have some not very, I have not the best memories of the last time I was in Knoxville. Wink, wink, wink nudge, nudge. And, uh... That's a very different conversation for another time. If you would like to, if you would like to meet, if you would like for me, I should say, to address the reason why I did not have a very good time in Knoxville, please feel free to ask me those sorts of questions off the air. But, it's going to be at least 22 years before Tennessee gets the chance to the their next chance to win in Gainesville. Casey Clawson was the last quarterback to get a win in Florida over the Florida Gators. Casey Clawson now and just ba- based on me bringing up the name Casey Clawson, you can Feel free to insert the meme of Ben Kenobi. Excuse me, of Ben Kenobi from Star Wars, saying, "Now that now that's a name I've not heard in a long time, a long time." Casey Clawson. Just think of how many quarterbacks Tennessee. Both teams have had, but really Tennessee in particular since '03. It's just 
just really crazy to believe and it and hard to believe. But anyway, that's point number one on the sidebar here. Point number two, uh, I may never be able to listen to Tom Petty ever again. And there, let me let, for those who may not be aware, let me tell you why. Apparently, at every Florida home game. They play Won't Back Down, I guess, at the start of every fourth quarter at every Florida Gators home game. And the whole fan base, right before it gets to the chorus, the whole fan base just goes, Hey, baby. Ooh. Ah, there ain't no easy way out. Of course, everybody who has heard that song will know what I'm talking about. I may never I may I may never be able to listen to that song ever in the same way at least ever again because of just how disgusted I was listening to it last night as I simultaneously had to deal with all of the missed tackles that Tennessee put up or did not put up based on if you want to make the tackle argument or not. And just the inconsistency of Tennessee's offense. Gosh, they've they've really got some things to clean up. They really do. They really do. But before I get to those, just Tom Petty, I'll n- I'll never be able to listen to that song at least in the same way ever again. And it's unfor- it's unfortunate because it is a very good song, but you know as as to steal a line from that song you can, you can stand me up at the gates of you know, you know where but i'll never much like tom petty will never be able to back down i will never be able to listen to won't back down in the same way ever ever again but as it relates to all of the things Tennessee has to clean up, my gosh, what a d- disgusting performance on both sides of the ball for Tennessee. Apparently, the defense still has not learned how to tackle. And y- yes, I'm very much looking at you when I say this at Kamal Haddon. But what really pains me to say this, and I've, I've pointed this out on social media before, that you all remember, of course, Tennessee winning 38-33 to in Knoxville last season. And yay, we, be, we beat Florida. Woohoo! But Vol, people forget Vols only won that game by five. And if the defense had learned how to tackle in that game, 
And again, this this is a game that Tennessee won in Knoxville last year. The score of that game would not have been 38 to 33. The margin of victory for Tennessee would have been even bigger than what it ended up being. But Tennessee apparently still has not learned how to tackle. They definitely need to get that cleared up. And speaking of people who need to clear some things up, Joe Milton. Ah, Bazooka Joe. What what a guy. What, What a guy. Statistically... Statistically, he was, eh, obviously there's a lot more things that go into the game than stats, but just to get this out of the way, he was 20 of 34 through the air for 287 passing yards, two picks, and one interception. And let let me get to, to that one interception, because if you watch the game, that that was not... That was not an interception, okay? That was a punt, essentially. On, and the throw that was made did not even need to be... The type of throw did not even need to be made in that situation. Obviously, Joe was facing quite a bit of pressure from Tennessee... From, excuse me, from Florida's defensive line. Tennessee's offensive line is a different story. Obviously, they were without Cooper Mays and Darnell Wright, who's making noise in the NFL now, and obviously Cade Mays, Cooper's older brother, who was a dominant presence on the O-line last year. But they were without Cooper Mays and Ollie Lane, and I believe Tennessee even had, they were rotating in centers throughout the night. Ollie Lane was one of them. He he had at least one critical penalty, but the Vols offensive line is in very bad shape right now, and they did not... Did not help out the situation offensively for Tennessee at all. But, gosh, it was just really frustrating to watch. But that, especially that one interception, coming back to that one interception, that was not an interception. That was a punt, essentially. And we can make... We can make fun of Bazooka Joe all we want to. He can th- he can throw a football 90 yards. Heck, I I even think he can throw an orange for at least 100 yards. But and this is where the this is why I say that stats are nice, but obviously there's more things to go into than what you see in the box score, you've you've got to find the you've got to find the touch, Joe. the 
the accuracy has got to be there. And it was not, it was, gosh, it was not there last night. And he's overthrowing guys. He's he's missing on throws to Dante Thornton, whose name I did not even hear brought up until the second half last night, which was a big problem for Tennessee, but uh, Joe, Joe, you've got to, you've got to get it together. I saw, I saw many a tweet of people, actually, before I get into that quick sidebar, are we still, are we still calling them tweets now, or are we calling them X's? I think it'd be really weird to do that. Of course, the reason why I say X is, of course, the fact that Elon has changed the name of Twitter to X, even though, like, 99% of people who use X still call it Twitter. Me being one of those people, to be honest. Anyway, another another quick... Sidebar on Twitter or X or whatever we are all referring to it as. But anyway, anyway, so many missed throws for Joe Milton last night. And Dante Thornton, I didn't even, as I was alluding to earlier, I did not hear his name called until second half last night. Obviously, that's a big problem. And certainly something that Tennessee will try to correct in the future. Hopefully, they do. Another another, uh, bad takeaway from last night was the, quote, illegal blindside block that was called on McCarthy. McAllen Castles that should not have been called, but anyway, I digress. That is a different conversation to be had a different time because I do not necessarily have the time to get into that tonight. But, oh gosh, the, the Vols, the Vols, they've got to. They've got to get some stuff figured out. And one of the one of the things and one of the many things that I took away from last night and what I saw many tweets about last night was is it time for a quarterback change? I do not have time to get into that argument tonight, but I did see many tweets from various people saying that maybe it's time to give Nico Iamaliava, if I'm pronouncing that name correctly, the big-time five-star, a shot. And I can, I can understand why he wasn't Put into the game last night. Obviously, 
the swamp, very hostile environment, especially for a young freshman like Nico is, and certainly the environment of N- Neyland Stadium against a team like a, say, say I, d- I don't know, the U- University of Texas at San Antonio, wink, wink, who just so happens to be the team that Tennessee will be playing next week, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, uh, would be a little bit more friendly of a foe, knock on wood, for Nico to face. But I can, I can see why the coaching staff did not make the decision to pull Joe out of the game last night because Nico may or may not be ready. But in the long term, you can't help but ask yourself the question of is Nico time right around the corner? But that is that is a question that we will probably know the answer a little bit more next week, as early as next week, I suppose. But that's all I'm going to say about the balls. I'd better move on from talking about them before I just throw up all over myself tonight for having to talk about how bad they played against Florida. But Back to questions that are being asked and maybe or maybe not answered right off the bat as we sit here tonight. There's a, because there's a lot of craziness that's going on in the entire country right now. And obviously there's a lot of questions that need answering over the next couple of weeks. Number one, what is what is going on with the Southeastern Conference? What is going on with the SEC? Is it what it used to be? And I hear I hear people say all the time that, you know, the SEC we can you can make you can make the argument all you want all you want to of it's the deepest conference in college football, Paul and and all this other good stuff. It top to bottom, it's the best. But it's it's Georgia. Here's Georgia. And and then and credit to Georgia, they've obviously won there's obviously a reason why they've won two straight national championships. Many, many of that, many of those reasons just so happen to be playing in the NFL right now. Not to take away from what Georgia has this year, but anyway, here's here's Georgia up here. Got to go back, go back to my my. How should I put this? My sarcastic SEC fan or SEC basher voice. Here, here's in this case, 
here's Georgia up here, and then here's everybody else down here. And if you look at the way some of the teams in the SEC played this week, you begin to say to yourself, ah, did the do those people maybe have a point? Because just looking at what happened in the SEC yesterday, obviously it took it did take Georgia an entire half to wake up, essentially. Obviously, they pulled out the win over South Carolina, but... It took them a while to wake up. LSU did do a good job of manhandling Mississippi State. They won by a score of 41 to 14. But on the other hand, it was Mississippi State. Make of that what you will. But Obviously, we saw what happened in Gainesville, and we also saw another game that was played in the state of Florida yesterday afternoon between Alabama and the University of South Florida, and former Tennessee offensive coordinator Wink Wink Nudge Nudge, uh, Alex Golish who is now USF's head coach. And Bama obviously did pull out the win over USF, 17-3, but not in the way that you would imagine Alabama pulling out a win against USF. I mean, they just really just got manhandled, honestly. I mean, when you have USF running backs, truck-sticking Alabama linebackers, SEC linebackers, that is that is definitely a problem for the Crimson Tide. And Bama, another thing about Bama is they've also got issues on the offensive side of the ball as well because we know what happened with Jalen Melrose in the Texas or after the Texas game. And he was benched in favor of Tyler Buckner, the Notre Dame transfer. And Tyler Buckner get, gets the start against. USF and goes out and proceeds to lay an egg, essentially. And Tyler Buckner is benched in favor of Ty Simpson, who is a name that I've not heard since Ty Simpson was in high school at Westview in Martin, Tennessee. He's a little bit more of a local product, if you will. And it's going to be going to be very interesting to see what Alabama does at the quarterback position moving forward obviously Nick Saban has said that they've got plenty of evaluation to do 
in that regard. But it's going to be interesting to see. It's really going to be interesting to see what the QB situation at Bama looks like as they head into SEC play, especially next week. I believe they've got Ole Miss next week, if I'm not mistaken. And so that's going to be a big test for them. And if Alabama does not figure out what they're doing at the quarterback position and who is the who the guy is going to be moving forward, it could be a very long year for the Crimson Tide, but we're just going to have to wait and see what happens with that as we head into next week. Last thing I'm going to say tonight before I get out of here is that essentially you can make the argument, and I guess the Pac-12 is extending a giant middle finger to everybody else on the way out the door as they dissolve heading into next season. Obviously, they've had more defectors come forward over the course of the last couple of weeks or so, but the Pac-12 is doing pretty well right now and seem to be extending that middle finger to everybody else based on the way they've all been playing, essentially, because they've had multiple teams ranked pretty highly in the top 25 over the last few weeks, including multiple teams in the top 15, those, of course, being USC, Washington, and Oregon. Colorado, and, of course, Colorado seems to be headed in that direction. Washington State seems to be headed in that direction, and it's going to be interesting to see what goes on in the Pac-12. Obviously, I haven't seen the latest poll for this week yet, but it's going to be very interesting to see how the, how the AP, and make of this what you will, because I've been very critical of the AP over the last few weeks on this show for some of the decisions that they've been making. But I've even thrown my name into the hat for having a vote on the AP poll. But anyway, that's a conversation to be had another time. But another thing I'll say about the Pac-12, who again, you could make the argument for being the best conference in the country as we sit here tonight. There's some pretty big football games coming up in the Pac-12 over the next couple of weeks because look at going back to Colorado, looking at their schedule for the next couple of weeks. Next week, or I should, or this week, if you want to call it that, 
They've got Oregon. They go to Oregon. It'll be a very tough test for them playing against the Ducks, who by far, I think, will be, although although based on the way Colorado State played against them last night, I guess you could make an argument for Colorado State being physical, but on paper, it seemed like Oregon would, and this may still be the case, Oregon is the most physical team that Colorado will have played up until this point. So that's going to be, it's going to be by far a very tough test for them. And the week after that, on September the 30th, that's the the biggie, which could potentially, potentially be a top 10 matchup between Colorado and USC. And the defending Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams. And if you're a, if you're a betting person, I would just I would just highly recommend taking the over in that one because there's going to be so many points that get scored in that game. I don't I don't even know I don't even know what the line is yet. I don't even know if it's come out. But but take it from just take excuse me, just take it from me. Go ahead and take the over in that one. Please make yourself some money, a lot of money because there's going to be plenty of points. There is not going to be a shortage of points in that Colorado-USC game. That is for sure. But last thing I'll say before I finally get out of here for tonight is that I mentioned the fact that the Pac-12 is basically... laughing at everybody else and sticking a giant middle finger up at everybody else on their way out the door as they dissolve and become a relic of the past with everybody moving on to either the Big Ten or the ACC, apparently. But, and also, also the Big 12, Colorado's actually going to be playing in the Big 12 starting next season. Fun fact. But the the really ironic thing about, about the Pac-12 is that there is how, excuse me, is how well they are playing on their way out the door again they ha- they've had multiple teams ranked in the top 25 over the last few weeks obviously USC's been impressive the wa- the Washington Huskies have been very impressive the Washington State Cougars have been very impressive and obviously Oregon 
has continued their winning ways. And I think I've said plenty of stuff about Colorado and Coach Prime tonight. But the Pac-12 is just very, very impressive the way they are playing as they head out the door. It's really, really remarkable. It it really is a a very remarkable thing to see. But on, on that note, I suppose I'm going to go ahead and hop out of here. Obviously, the just to preview some things that I've got coming up on the show. Obviously, the Tennessee Titans made some no- made some noise today, squeaking out a win against the L.A. Chargers at home in overtime. It took them all the way to overtime to do this, but the Titans did get their first win of the season this afternoon. And I will have a lot more to to say about that later this week in my second regular season edition of the Titans Tuesday ay 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 segment of the Jim Bratton podcast. Certainly a lot of exciting things to talk about and, and some maybe not as ex- exciting things to talk about as well. And speaking of those not exciting things to talk about, I'm watching the news right now and apparently a to, to add in, to add insult to the injury of Tennessee losing to Florida last night I don't even know which player this is but apparently somebody has been arrested for simple possession and for that for those of you who may be more informed as to who that is please feel free to let me know in the comment section but it's just it's just not not a good time on rocky top right now not 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 a very good time and i'd better get out of here before i throw up from having having to go back and talk about the bad situations that are going on with with the Vols right now, but coming back to what I was talking about before that little news popped up on the TV screen, obviously a lot of exciting things to talk about as far as the Titans go, and a lot of not exciting things to talk about as far as the Titans go as well, but having said that, Tuesday should be a lot of fun, and get your popcorn ready for that, ladies and gentlemen. But with all of that being said, guys, I'm going to go ahead and hop on out of here. I want to thank you all so much for watching and listening 
to this edition of the Jim Bratton Podcast. I very much appreciate it, and I will see you on Tuesday.